Also, Dylan, uh, I changed my name on Zoom. I don't know if you noticed that. Oh, I didn't. What is what is it now? I can't see it because I'm in this dang zone. Or an oh. accidental oh, immersive it's view. It's Dylan sucks ass. California. Keeping up with the Coens, an OC rewatch podcast. Shalom, bitches, and welcome back to Keeping Up with the Coens. My name is Ryan Drake, coming to you from Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, and I'm joined, as always, by him. (laughs) He is the winner of Barely a Man Madness 2022. It is, of course, Dylan Irwin. Hello, Dylan. Hey, you know, that is that is one of the great things about having a child now. People know that, that at least the one purpose that I am biologically intended to serve, I fulfilled that one. Um, so my stock goes up a little bit, but not by much. It's, uh, it's good to be here. It's good to be considered um, partially a man. Um, I'm excited to talk about these episodes. I'm sad that it's almost over, um, mm-hmm. but, uh, but, you know... We can always just uh, go back and re-listen to this um, and uh, and remember the good old days. Also joining us all the way from Tulsa, America, she is the Helium Queen, the Princess of RSV, the Diarrhea <laughs> Duchess. <laughs> it's Chelsea Trinidad. Hello, Chelsea. Constipation Queen. Oh, that's what it was. Sorry, it was constipation, not diarrhea. My bad. Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, it's the opposite. Well, I get that too now. I'm pregnant, so just all kinds of weird things are happening with my body. <laughs> but how crazy is this? Like, we were all kind of, you know, the three of us are reflecting on the last uh, couple years doing this. And, like, when we started, Ryan was single. Me and Dylan were childless. Mm. And look at us now. Look at you us know what? Now. I bet by the... I bet I will have birthed the twins uh, by the end of this show, uh, this being aired. It is strange that we're recording this before any episode has dropped of season four. So uh, we're just trying to get it done. Get it out of the way, because next week is the final final. It's not just the season finale. It is the series finale of Keeping Up With The Coens, because we're not doing more episodes. I don't care what anyone says. I'm not editing them. Uh, So next week is it. It's the last time we will probably ever talk to each other. That's so Um, true. So make sure to, uh, if you want to keep up. Keep up with keeping up with the Cohen. So we'll have other ways probably, but you you will have kept up. You will actually. That's a great point. You will have fully kept up. Maybe we'll do like what the Kardashians did and just do a and like jo- and like switch networks like two or three years from now down the road. Um, we'll just be on the radio instead. Hey, let's talk about the OC. Let's talk about these last uh, these these second to last two episodes that we have here. We're almost to the end of season four. Dylan has never seen season four before. Um, Dylan, what are your thoughts? These uh, these episodes were nutty. I'm I'm trying to do something that I haven't done in a while, and uh, or and by for a while I mean ever in this show, and I'm just trying to enjoy the ride rather than overanalyze it, um, which makes wow. it very difficult Thank to write quests. Yeah, which makes it very difficult to write questions because like originally I was trying to like break down the logic of characters and this and that, but now I'm just like I'm just gonna let the whole season fourness of it all. Um, just, I want to soak my body in the season fourness. And I think that I'm nice and pruny at this point, um, in the series. I did the same thing. I didn't write any questions for my recap. I'm just, we're just doing a recap. That's what we're doing here. Um, let's do it. Let's get into it. Well, no, I actually think that that's very appropriate because I mean, especially, um, the first episode, like this is the nostalgia episode. Like it very much had the energy of a series who knows they only have four episodes left. 
Yeah, we got some good uh, we got some good callbacks. We got some good flashbacks. So uh, let's 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 get into it. Let's get into episode number thirteen yeah. of season four. It is called A Case of the Franks. A Case of the Franks features Sandy Cohen on screen, including the younger Sandy Cohen, for six Ooh. minutes and eleven seconds. Let's have it. A Case of the Dylan. <laughs> we uh, we all came down with the case of the Franks on February first, two thousand seven. Unless you're me, and it was today. Um, 3.82 million of you came down with the case of the Franks back in the day. Uh, thanks to JJ Philbin. So this is a Valentine's Day episode, which I didn't realize for some reason I thought Groundhog's Day came before Valentine's Day. So I didn't realize there was a Valentine's Day this episode. So this episode of the podcast has to be called Bullet for My Valentine. Finally, we can do it. We did it. We did it. So we have, I don't even know what we named the last one, but if we named it what I thought thought we did, that's two bullet related episodes and I'm totally fine with that. Because he's the goat. Um, All right, Dylan, let's go. He is. Okay, Case him. of the Franks. Uh, according according to this completely original synopsis that I actually wrote myself, Ryan and Taylor devise a plan to bring Julie and Frank closer, but Caitlin tries to keep Bullet in Julie's personal life. Summer begins to have doubts in her relationship with Seth. Big surprise. Kirsten opens up about her past with Jimmy to Sandy as they prepare for the new baby. And now, here's another one that I wrote. Seth and Summer come upon a fortune teller whose predictions makes the two question whether they are truly meant for each other. Ryan gets back in touch with his father, with a little help from Taylor, when the two teens discover a love connection between Frank and Julie, despite her pending engagement, a Valentine's competition is sparked between Team Bullet and Team Frank. Meanwhile, with a new baby on the way, Kirsten finds herself dwelling on an old secret involving Jimmy Cooper, and what a secret it is, guys. So... Unlike Ryan, I am doing questions. I tried to come up with questions because most of this episode is spent asking myself questions. So I figured it's the best way to actually unpack what's going on. And my first question kind of relates to one of the first big plot lines, which has been an ongoing theme in this season. And that's Taylor Townsend um, and whether her aggression is is cute or um, not cute, I guess. And in this episode in particular, she's getting very, very aggressive. She's sneaking around behind Ryan's back to get the address that he has written down on his bedside table. Is she being aggressive or is she being too nosy? I think that you could, I think she's being aggressively nosy. I feel like she, this is why her and Ryan, this is one of the things that her and Ryan really connect with is that they like to get involved in other people's business when they don't need to. I, yeah. (laughs) The crazy thing is notwithstanding this question, I think that's kind of one of the things that makes them work so well. But the question that I have specifically with kind of how she's gotten involved and wedged herself in with Ryan and Frank, like at what point did she cross a line or has that not happened yet. She has not crossed the line. It's Taylor Townsend. Like we all know who Taylor is at this point. Ryan knows who Taylor is at this point. Ryan has crossed more lines than Taylor when it comes to getting involved in other people's business. God, that's true. I, I just and this is kind yeah. of yeah. No, go ahead, Chelsea. Oh, I would I would agree with that. Like he knows who she is. He knows what she's about. Um, it, it's it's adorable, Taylor. It's almost like she's she's he like he, he's baiting her by being like. Oh, that address? Yeah, no, it's nothing. I'm just going to leave it here. All right, see ya. It's like, of course she's going to... It's. All, I wonder how much of it is like a little game that they play with one another. But <laughs> It's I a little thing that we do. It's just a thing. We stalk I each other. I do have questions about Ryan as overall in these two episodes. I don't think he's like that great to Taylor, but we'll get to that when I get to my episode. I feel like he's heavily medicated in both of these episodes. I don't know why. Um, question specifically for Chelsea. Um, Chelsea, in what trimester did you reach the daydreaming about Jimmy Cooper stage? Or have you reached it yet? Uh, oh, man. I That was kind of an interesting um, 
call back to him. Um, I was kind of wondering to myself, and then I was like, oh, wait, maybe I have it confused with uh, Josh Schwartz's other teen uh, dramedy series. But do you think that they were, um, like, fishing out a, a prequel series? Okay. Oh, I didn't even think about that. I had a note about that, and I was, I was like, my note was a joke. It was like, I want to see the prequel series, but... I don't know. Were, were prequel series and spinoff series, were those like really big in 07? I can't remember like when Private Practice and Joey and all that stuff. It was, I think it was right around that era is when that became kind of a thing. And um, I like in Gossip Girl, they 100% were trying to make that happen. But that is such CW territory. I don't think that it was necessarily Fox territory at the time. Although now it's so funny because there's even a show about like The Rock as a child and young Shelton and all that kind of stuff. So uh, (laughs) we have seen the prequels at this point. (laughs) There's just something I have to get out there into the waves if I haven't ever gotten it out there already. Uh, Young Sheldon. If you're listening to this, I am publicly calling you out, and I want to fight you. Um, if you Boy, are listening to this, Dylan, or, you can finish this if you want, but I'm going to edit it out, so you're going to uh, waste well, all of our time. I want. I just. That's all I'm going to say. I want. Okay, I want to fight young Sheldon. You. Um, but uh, wasn't it? I can't remember. I think it was either. I think it was Ryan. Weren't one of you talking about how the CW almost picked up the OC? Yeah, the CW was like there were talks there were big rumors that they were going to pick up the oc and keep it going and obviously that did not happen i think by the i think by episode like three or four of season four they knew it wasn't going to happen um but that was something that i feel like that had happened with another show that like a show i think on fox had gotten canceled and picked up by the cw and they thought it could also happen to the oc but yeah i don't i would have loved to have seen a prequel i think i would have loved to have seen a prequel i'm sure it would have been good but I don't think there were a lot of those types of things happening at this time or like spinoff series or things like that. I feel like that was a two, the 2010s yeah. thing. Once we once everyone ran it out was, of ideas. It was early in the in the progr- uh, progression of that happening in our world. OK, so this next question deals with without directly dealing with the whole Jimmy Cooper um, connection and Kirsten's discussions with Summer about whether Seth, which is it's always really weird when Summer is discussing this with Kirsten, but whether Seth is her Jimmy Cooper or her Sandy Cohen, um, and just kind of that tension that we find in both of these episodes. One of the big ideas we talk about on the show a lot is about like fatherhood and being a parent and like your adopted family versus the family you're born into i feel like another big theme that's really being hinted at especially this season is the idea of of just relationships in general with regard to destiny am i who am i with who i should be with um how does that kind of play um into the drama of the series and i'm trying to figure out what do we think this show says about that do we think this is a destiny show what kind of it's just a big idea that's really been bothering me about this season because we see it all the time you know we see the jimmy and kirsten situation we see the rachel and sandy situation we see um summer and zach we see ryan and marissa it's just there's a whole bunch of this similar trope in every season what do you think the show is trying to say what do you think the larger point is what was the rachel and sandy situation like how, how she, not Rachel. Yeah, Rachel. Where, where like yeah. he and Rachel were like together and but for. The office hussy. Oh, no, not Rachel. Who's <laughs> oh, the, you're thinking of uh, Rebecca. Rebecca. Oh, no, Rachel Rebecca. Rebecca. Yeah, the yeah, Rebecca. Yeah, Rebecca. <laughs> Long girl. Um, but, but, but just this whole idea that, you know, well, I, 
but for this small Everyone's thing afraid that, that they're going to be the one before the one. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Just just mm-hmm. why what do we think the show is is trying to say with this ongoing theme? I actually never thought about idea. that. I never considered that like Kirsten had Tate, Sandy had Rebecca, Ryan had Marissa, and they none of them ended up with those people. Seth and Summer seem to be the one couple that's like the right match from the beginning, which is kind of interesting. Um, I mean, when they go to a fucking psychic, right? Like, I'm just saying that I feel like that kind of goes against what you're saying in a weird way because psychics are psychic. Um, but I just feel like they're at the point in the series where they're like, well, we only got three episodes to wrap this up. So let's let's make sure everyone knows that they're with who they're supposed to be with. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that if, um, you know, of course, we know the story is about to end, but I do think that it's an important thing to kind of point out. They talk about that a lot in um, Friends, actually. I know I reference that show a lot, but, um, you know, Ross and <laughs> Ross and Rachel, they really frame as like, no, this is each other's like one true love. This is what's meant to be. Everyone else is just an obstacle. But they actually address it head on when it comes to Chandler and Monica. And Monica tells Chandler, she goes, I don't think that true, like, you know, soulmates are a thing. I think that you, you know, make a choice to love someone. And sometimes it's um, circumstance. And sometimes, you know, it's for this reason or for that reason. And obviously, that's so much more empowering of a message to be adopted into just like personal philosophy. And, you know, I think that uh, that also is an important point because it ties into uh, Gordon, uh, Gordon Bullet and Kevin Sorbo and what the fuck is going on there? Kind of jumping off of, of that idea, I want to talk about something that I know, well, I know Ryan likes talking about because it involves somewhat hating on Seth Cohen. But at one point, you know, when, when Seth is in the doldrums, as he usually is, Kirsten brings him breakfast, even though she's pregnant because it's Valentine's Day, um, and lets us know there's this tradition where she makes pancakes for Seth every Valentine's Day. Um, Seth kind of talks to her about what he's going on, uh, what he has going on with Summer, and Kirsten asks him about, you know, all the things Summer has done to prove that she's the one for him. And he's like, yeah, I mean, she's done a lot. But I kind of wanted to flip that on its head and ask the question, what has Seth done? Maybe not just throughout this season, but throughout this series, what has Seth done to prove that he is the one for Summer and is the answer nothing? He stood up on a coffee cart four years ago and said, I like you. And it's all downhill from there. I love it. I um, I I also I want to touch on probably one of my favorite parts of this whole episode, and it's the mermaid uh, reveal, the flashback reveal. Um, of course, Seth, uh, you know, comes up with with this gift, this wonderful gift, where he, I guess, found the mermaid poem that summer wrote and he says he found it in the trash and i i have a lot of questions about that like yeah. where, like when and how so he he frames it and uh gives it to her for valentine's day which kind of prompts my first question about this whole story um is seth's gift to summer better than summer's gift to seth during the season one christmas episode and i think the answer is yes because every gift is better than summer's gift to seth in the christmas episode oh my god you are um, so wrong you are no. you're just being an asshole at this point because Absolutely. that's just wrong i thought you were gonna ask is it better than her weird like collage gift which was oh, also that, that was... kind of strange but um <laughs> i but i just want to say this before i forget because we're talking about seth and summer and this collage gift and like the gift that he gave to her and whether or not they're supposed to be together there's a scene where um summer's talking to kirsten about their relationship and this is not the same this is not the scene 
in the next episode where she's like trying to say, like, I want him to get excited about something. I don't remember the context of the scene. I just have a note about Kirsten and Summer having a conversation about Seth and their relationship. Oh, this is when they were going through the photos. And she's like, I want to, is, is Seth my Jimmy Cooper? It's just, first of all, a weird thing to ask his own mom. But yes. secondly, um, <laughs> secondly, Kirsten basically says something along the lines of like, you know, he'll get there. You just have to be patient. And I couldn't help but think about the fact that, you, and not to not to defend Seth too much, but like mm-hmm. he did just propose to you, and you rejected it, right? Ooh, okay, yeah. I I I will admit that I totally completely forgot about that, but I guess that's just the nature of season four. Um, but like the thing that I kind of started doing with res- like not including the 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 proposal bit is I was thinking back on all the stuff that Seth allegedly did, and all of it kind of had a little bit of a a crust of self-interest on it um like not to continue to bring up the season one thing but that was kind of my issue with summer's gift it was like here's something that i know you like but it involves me a lot more um than it involves you whereas with anna's wonderful gift it's like here's something i created um and spent the time on for you i feel like a lot of seth's Kind of. No, 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 no. Her gift. We don't have to get back into this. Her gift was. Both of them gave Seth a gift about something that he is very interested in. Anna's gift was him was the thing because he's very interested in comic books. Summer's gift was because he's very interested in Summer's body. And to me, her gift is more tangible. And so it's a better gift. And it's still a better gift than anything that happened in Ew, this episode. We are never, ever going to agree with this. I don't understand. Was she was she in that moment saying, okay, Seth, now ravish me? Like, what What was... Okay, it, that, yeah, that, that brings up it a was... good point. Like, what was, the, what was the end game there? Like, yeah. look at me from to a distance. To let him fulfill his dumb, geeky, nerd fantasy that we all had at that age. <laughs> so what was she wanting to hook up in that moment this is a conversation we should have had three years ago why are Come we get having your this Christmas now kiss. no we did and it's still not freaking settled we did and you agreed with me <laughs> no there's no way I would have agreed with you I 100% am team Anna on that gift I feel like we were saying three now years ago as if we recorded those episodes three years ago and in reality it was three years ago in the context of the show I uh the next thing I have isn't necessarily a question, but it is a part of the story that I think is really important to talk about. Um, and it's so the fortune teller side um, of the story, which fortune tellers play a really big part of this episode and the next episode. And I am here for it. I don't remember when Miss Cleo got busted, um, but I think it was around this time because float on by Modest Mouse references Miss Cleo getting busted. And that song was around this time. Um, thank you to Modest Mouse for keeping me culturally relevant. But, um, you know, one of the big points is that a fortune teller for free tells Summer that her destiny is with someone named George. Um, and so, of course, that kind of throws their relationship into a tailspin um, because it's hanging on a thread as it is, or it seems to be hanging on a thread. And it turns out that George is actually an organization, the Global Environmental Organization regarding greenhouse emissions, um, which I also wanted to bring up the fact that I created another acronym, and it is George Glass, a Global Environmental Organization regarding greenhouse emissions, generally loves and supports summer. That's funny. I've never heard of a George Glass at our school. Um, so I am very, <laughs> very happy with, uh, with the George realization. And also, did you guys notice who Paul was, the guy who worked? I was trying, no, I was trying to figure out who it was, but I couldn't put my, it's, I couldn't figure it out. It's Michael Shore. It's Moe's from The Office. Oh, I thought it was the other guy from The Office, the Silicon Valley guy. 
Oh, the 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 Gabe. shut up about the sun guy. Yeah, Gabe. I thought it was. It could have been. Gabe. I didn't realize that that was the guy. He didn't. Didn't he create? Um. Uh huh. He created Parks, Parks and, Rec. and Recreation, yeah. and he wrote for The Office, and he made one more Brooklyn Nine Nine. And he cameoed on the OC. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was gonna say, but wait, Gabe from Silicon Valley was on The Office. Yes. Yeah. Right. I thought that's who the guy was on the OC, but no, it was a different guy from The Office. How about T.J. Miller? Mm-hmm. Um. Well, that's funny because um, baby Seth, my husband goes, oh, that's that uh, Drake and Josh guy. Wait, was it? Um, I No, I don't think it was. I don't think it was Drake oh. Bell, but it did look like him. <laughs> I feel like all white guys look like that for a period we have, of time. We have taken too long to point out that Schmidt was young Sandy. Oh, yeah. No, Schmidt was there. And then that whole sequence. I just want to do a whole episode on that sequence. Um, so another big kind of plot line is this Team Bullet versus Team Frank. So question one, um, Chelsea, are you Team Bullet or Team Frank? I'm 100% Team Bullet. I'm so glad you asked me. Um, I have a (laughs) long list of reasons why. First of all, Gordon keeps mentioning that he has $900 million. You know why? Because we all hate billionaires. He's just below the limit, so we don't have to hate him. <laughs> what a guy. Incredible point by Chelsea. Wow. From half court. That Number was incredible. Two. <laughs> it's more. <laughs> Number two. We all know for a fact that Bullet is indeed way less Republican than Kevin Sorbo. Oh, that wow. That's a great point, too. That Holy is, shit. That is very true. I was yeah. I was going to say I'm Team Frank, but I've changed it now, and I'm also Team Bullet. How Ryan. could you possibly be Team Frank? Okay, here's yeah. here's why. What I am, one again, redeemable thing, does, besides the fact that Julie doesn't like Bullet and she does like Frank, for you personally, Dylan, <laughs> what his possible hair. reason? No, his hair sucks. His hair and the fact that he's Hercules. Because Hercules, dude, that show, that show is right up there with Lemon Lime Gatorade and giving me sick. You know who is a better Hercules? Dwayne Johnson. No, Tate. That is true. He is he yeah, is my Hercules. Hundred percent. I wanna I wanna break this down. I there's there's a, I don't there's want a to. deeper there's a deeper meaning here and you brought it up. Who is the Hercules here? Who is Julie supposed to be with? The animated Hercules or the real one? Um <laughs> But uh but okay, so speaking of the Team Frank, Team Bullet stuff, I think Julie kind of let slip um kind of something very interesting. In the choice between Frank and Bullet, Julie has this this conflict and conversation with Caitlin. And Julie uh, opts for Bullet, saying that she only has one daughter left, meaning she's trying to do right in her choice by her daughter. Well, I feel like that's a question specifically for you, Dylan, or maybe now Chelsea, that she's about to have kids. Like, if you were in a situation like that, let's pretend that you're both single for a second, and you were in a situation like that, do you go with who the kid likes more, or do you go with who you like more? A hundred percent who the kid likes more. I would, yeah, I would go with who Um, the kid likes more, because... Because my my happiness would be connected to my child's happiness, and I would be Team Bullet in that respect. There you go. Well, and like what we were talking about earlier, just you know, oh, is is does do people have soulmates, or do they just decide to make a decision and commit and love someone? And I mean, <laughs> it's also true that Bullet was saying that he wasn't going to give her a prenup. And um, I mean, not obviously, we all know that Julie is like a bit of a gold digger. But when it comes down to it, Gordon really is very much in love with her. Um, Caitlin adores him. And more than Caitlin liking him is that he really earnestly does like Caitlin and would be a very, very stable person in her life. And even when Taylor was making fun of Gorlin and being like, oh, you know, you have to perform your wifely duties with his aging body. (laughs) 
I just looking by him, I feel like he's the kind of guy that's gonna age a lot better than Kevin Sorbo. Like you can kind of tell by his facial features, like <laughs> who's gonna age nicely and who isn't. Bullet and keeps I it think tight. That, I mean, I just think that Bullet is gonna look pretty similar as an older person, and you can tell Kevin Sorbo's face is gonna kind of melt. Bullet can afford <laughs> Botox, and Kevin Sorbo cannot. And also, I would love to know their age differences within the context of the show because that's interesting to think about how they look versus how what the age they're supposed to be like if kevin sorbo is only supposed to be like six years younger than bullet then like yeah for sure go with bullet <laughs> like that's a no-brainer my question though about this whole situation with julie trying to figure out and leaning towards doing what's best for her child which i feel like is something we really haven't seen from julie in the past mm-hmm. is did Marissa miss out? <laughs> Did Marissa miss out on the good Julie? Because like... Julie's a good character now, and Marissa's dead. So, well, I th- I think that one it's like a chi- it's like a chicken and egg situation. Um, I feel like good Julie is a product of dead Marissa. I don't know. I think that um I I think that Julie was getting closer. I think that she was pretty close to who she is now in season three. Yeah, obviously, I think Summer's dad was a good man. Um, the way that Julie uh, dealt with the whole Volchek situation and her going over there and standing up for her daughter and just stuff like that. I think that I think that Julie was getting inching rapidly to be in the person. You mean in season today, three when she tried to frame that. Ryan for shooting Trey? <laughs> that was the beginning. Oh. Well, I mean, do we th- in, in retrospect, do we think maybe the catalyst for her becoming a better person was jimmy leaving and uh someone almost ripping off uh, kirsten do you think those two things were the biggest factor in her having to go live in the trailer she was the one ripping off kirsten okay so we have two very different team bullet team frank dates that are happening mm. we have team bullet date which is i'm gonna put you in one of my planes and fly you anywhere in the world which i mean yeah that sounds okay second one is we go with frank to eat hot dogs pretty great so here's my question another name for a hot dog is a frank are we going to conclude that by taking julie to eat hot dogs on valentine's day frank is trying to imply something deeper and much more intimate than we are poor people don this is a stupid question but you like it it's stupid it's i'm debating whether even including it go on no but that's that's the question is i feel like it has to be intentional the episode is called A Case of the Franks. His name is Frank. He takes her to eat at a hot dog place, and hot dogs are Franks. <laughs> By the way, did you see those hot dog prices? It's like Costco prices, dude. It's insane. It's 2007. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Master's, <laughs> Master's prices. prices. Um, but that's that's kind of my, my, my last fun question. Now let's get into the serious question, the uh, the question that rhymes with shmushmortion. Oof. Um, so we, I'm going to follow up the hot dog question <laughs> with this. So we find out through the series of flashbacks that Sandy and Julie and Tate, um, I can't really call him Tate because he's not Tate. Sandy, Julie, and Jimmy have a much more complicated past than we're led to believe. Um, It's not explicitly said, but it's said through text painting, through imagery, that we are led to believe that Kirsten had an abortion. Um, that she, that Jim, she and Jimmy were pregnant and she had an abortion, but are we also led to believe that Jimmy doesn't know? I do think that the way it was presented to us is that Jimmy did not know because Kirsten didn't think that he could like handle it. Right. Based on their conversation at the diner when they were kids. 
Um, I don't think he ever knew. I don't think she, I'm not sure she ever tells him. The only other time I remember this, and this is like a weird, this is some weird storytelling on the part of the OC, because way back in season one or two, whenever Teresa was pregnant, I think it was one, right? Season she was pregnant at the end of season one. Mm-hmm. Because that's when Ryan yeah, left. Yeah, it was so, the yeah. season one um, finale. I remember when mm-hmm. Teresa and Kirsten went to lunch together, and Kirsten told her that, like, you know. It's a, abortion is an option. Like people do it, and it, it they allude heavily to the fact that Kirsten did it. Teresa says something along. I'm trying to remember. I haven't seen the episode since we watched it. But Teresa says something along the lines of like, you know, I I wish I had a choice. And then Kirsten says like, oh, I wish I did too. And so that's when we that's when they plant the seed of like, you know, maybe Kirsten did go through this, and I didn't ever think that they would come back to it, but clearly they came back to it in this episode. And my only other note is that Jimmy Jimmy loves abandoning his children. Um, I was wondering to myself why they would bring up like such a controversial topic again. Um, the only reason I can really think of is I will say the OC did a good job about tying up all loose ends, um, as Dylan will find out next week. But um, I wonder if they considered this an open thread that they needed to provide, like shed more light on to make the series complete. Another question that kind of spun out of this whole storyline for me is I originally had a question like why is Kirsten being so weird about the Jimmy box thing um, her jimmeries or what I called them and the the big, the big question <laughs> that I have Ryan is so pissed right now jimmeries I hate see, it see I bury I bury I bury <laughs> this shit in with actual questions so it's hard to edit around but the question that this kind of posed for me is at first I was like, why is she so obsessed with this? Why is she thinking about this? And then I kind of bought into the to the narrative and I was like, oh, it's because she's pregnant. And of course, she's thinking back on another time in her life when she was pregnant. But then I kind of stopped and was like, why is she thinking about this when she's had a baby with Sandy before? Like, why is her mind? And maybe this is a question that's like above my pay grade um, as a dude. But, like, why would her mind go automatically to Jimmy and the child that was allegedly aborted versus when she and her now husband, who she's having a baby with, had a healthy son? Yeah, well, it's just it's so much more complex and nuanced than it was even, I would say, you know, a month ago, just with recent events. And, um, you know, I I obviously um, that's not anything that I have to carry with me um as a burden but i'm sure that there are tons of women probably women listening to this probably women that we interact with on a daily basis who do think about um you know a decision that they made and i think that it was a really powerful thing that they showed on the oc that um i don't want to say that there was redemption in that decision but just that you know she made a decision and um she went on to have a very good, healthy life and be a caring mother who gave back to this world and think that that was yeah, a and it shows thing. That, that you can still, like, motherhood does not mean it's a child that you gave birth to. Motherhood can mean a number of things. And just to be clear, I am in no way trying to make light of that. My whole thing is just mm-hmm. as a dumb dude, I was just trying to figure out why she wouldn't be thinking about the directly connected one. But I have the most important question of this entire episode mm-hmm. to end with. So, George, is it you'll why find, did, find why, out. 
Is it why? Why does Kids Bop Chelsea playing Young Summer in the flashback of the mermaid? Um, um, <laughs> no, I was gonna let Chelsea bust out that one. But while mm. we're there, let's let's talk about that. Chelsea, how were you approached? Um, back <laughs> did, when did this they aired? see? Did they see your work in Kids Bop and they're like, we got a job for you, and you've been hiding it from us this whole time? Because that that kid, first of all, that kid did not oh, look man. anything like Summer. None of those kids looked at all like their adult, like their contemporary counterparts. Did you guys catch who? Uh baby taylor was no but she looked familiar i was trying to figure it out who was it yeah it was it was bella thorne pre no. uh dan schneider just destroying her I life i did not know that was bella thorne I, wow i'm gonna rewatch. that's wild but no i just thought that i thought that kid looked a lot like chelsea's kids bop days just saying and i i also just <laughs> while we're in the past i also want to bring up the fact that my new favorite shot of this entire series is the strange choice to zoom in on young seth's mouth um, when he's smiling. Um, but speaking of Seth, I want to talk about Seth and Summer for this very, very last question. George of George Glass sure, wants Summer to travel around to talk to college kids about the importance of voting in the 2008 election. So my question is, is Summer <laughs> Roberts the reason that Barack Obama was elected and there was such a big youth vote? I think that that was really funny the way that they didn't even tr- pretend to try to make any sort of effort as far as like, oh, this guy just showed up and said, we read your blog. We want to give you a job. And she's like, okay. And like, that was it. That was, first of all, I that would be amazing if that's actually how that process worked. But I think that she's responsible for it. And so for one, I want to say as an American, thank you, Summer Roberts, for your service to this country. Also, the fact that she had a blog, and I don't think we really even knew about it or heard about it. We talked a couple weeks ago about how the show is mostly offline. I had no idea Summer had a blog. Would have loved to have read that blog. There's a whole, there's a second shadow show <laughs> that we need to be watching right now. That can be our next step, our next endeavor. It's called a, a co- Atomic County, right? That's that's what it is. That's the shadow show. But you know what? That's really all that I have about the case of the Franks. I'm still stuck on the hot dog question, but I'll just mull it over by myself, I guess. I got some thoughts that you did not get to. Talk to me. I thought it was in, oh, well, this is this is just an interesting, I thought kind of weird uh, line that they gave to Taylor. She's talking about trying to to help Ryan meet Frank or meet up with Frank again for the first time since the cancer thing. And she says something that I thought was interesting where she said, there's something really sad about Ryan and maybe <laughs> being with his dad could help. And I was like, that's kind of fucked up. But that's like your boyfriend. Yeah. Oh, shout out to Luke. Luke was in this episode technically in the flashback. Oh, yeah. Uh, shout out yeah. to Taryn. Taryn was also was. there in flashback form with the kids at college. And I loved that uh, Taylor said toodles when she got off the phone with Ryan. That was her sign off. Bring also, when she, was driving, when she was driving the limo. I could not help. Chelsea, you're not going to understand this, Dylan. You might. When she was driving the limo, she reminded me so much of when The Undertaker drove the limo that Stephanie McMahon was in in wrestling in like 1999. <laughs> she was. They're she having was. a moment right now, and I'm oh, just like, Oh, we love you, Taker. <laughs> Taker Townsend. Um, instead of an outfit of the episode, <laughs> the episode um, I wanted to talk about Taylor's amazing side sweat bangs. I kept looking at them. I think it was because, speaking of nostalgia, my mom was feeling rather nostalgic, and she was randomly sending me a bunch of pictures uh, from me in middle school, high school, and college. And she sent me this awesome one of me and my uh, best friend Claire uh, in, in Charlotte Roos dresses and of course we both had these like side sweat bangs and I was like oh my god same as Taylor's that was a quick story I really expect that to derail for the next 10 minutes <laughs> oh yeah well the other the other notable I guess uh, look is I kind of liked Caitlyn's um, beanie with the bill yeah. 
in the hoop earrings. That was that was a look that I went to a lot. Or in young that era. Sandy in the California sweatshirt in college. I thought that was a great look. Well, um, didn't didn't Ryan share with us that his go-to uh, was the beanie with the bills? I did. I didn't have very many. I only wore it a couple times. But when I did have beanies, <laughs> I did wear the build the build beanies. Also, young uh, Kirsten. Do we know who was she? Is she somebody famous? I didn't look her up, but she was very cute. So shout out to them. They did a weird job casting everyone as as younger people. I will say the music moment of the episode is a song called uh, Start Today Tomorrow by Youth Group, who, of course, did that iconic Forever Young cover. That song played during that flashback sequence with Sandy and Kirsten, which he handed her the, the Walter Mondale button that oh, they yeah. credit their entire relationship to. But can I just say the real music moment of the episode in the shadow world that you just talked about? <laughs> the real us. music moment of the episode was Summer singing Wannabe by the Spice Girls. Yo, I'll tell you what a wall, what a real Lizzie wall. Oh my God, Summer, you are scary spies. Yes. Oh, I um, here for that. Wait, was it this episode? No, I think it was. I want to see Justin Timberlake at the bait shop. I did like how much of like, how many jokes they've packed into this, like meta jokes about like, how does the bait, how does the venue so small get acts so big? And like when the next episode, whenever Seth is doing the flashback and Ryan like leaves and, and like comes back and he's like, is this flashback going to take a long time? It gets real. It gets really meta. It's also that it's kind of strange to think all of this is ending line from Taylor. And with that, I'm just going to throw it to you for the next episode because that's all I have. Well, the only other thing that I thought was weird, which I feel like makes more sense in season four than it would in previous seasons, is like one of those types of moments where it's and Sandy has one in my episode, too, where it's like the I'm done having sex with Julie Cooper. One of those moments. Yeah. Um, where they're sitting at dinner with Frank and Julie walks in with Bullet and they just say hi to each other and then suddenly Ryan and Taylor are both like, oh my god, you're in love with her. And I was like, how the fuck could you possibly even begin to deduce that? But whatever. Let's move on. You want to move on to the next episode? Let's do it. Yeah. Dylan, did you see that magic moment where teeth? the sunbeam shined yeah. directly on Ryan's teeth? That was amazing. <laughs> stay, stay. Just like that. Yeah, I have smile. to take a picture. Lower. There you go. Oh, yeah, you can see it. Let's get into episode number 14 of 16, mind you. It's called The Shake Up. Shake Up features Sandy Cohen on screen just in his current day version for six minutes and 49 seconds. Dylan, tell me more. We were all shook up on February 8th, 2007. 3.58 million people watched this episode. John Stevens wrote his swan song and what a song it was let's get into it they really fucked up by not using i'm shaken by rooney in this episode <laughs> which one's rooney that's my that's my recap see you guys bye. <laughs> bye we start with an earthquake the show this the cold open begins with an earthquake and then it hits us with the oh by the way we're going back in time 72 hours earlier which is at least the third time they've done that this season right yes they did it in the season premiere uh-huh with Ryan getting leading up to him taking the file from Julie they also did it in the um, alien rave episode yeah yeah i uh, i'm also convinced that this episode is like an anti-global warming episode because of the dialogue specifically at the beginning when they're looking at the paper about the earthquake weather. And I think it's either Summer or Taylor says that earthquake weather is voodoo used to let people deny global warming. I literally had, so, that's one of my first notes. The Summer takes a hard <laughs> stance on global warming. I was like, good, good for this show. Talking about abortion and global warming before anyone else did. <laughs> this is, it, it was a very, it was a Sorbo take. Yeah. Well, and how different does this uh, episode hit now that, you know, because in tw- 2006 or 2007, we did not have earthquakes to contend with. But we're Okies. We've all felt oh, yeah, our they're, fair they're share. They're here of now them and lately. they're not at all caused by fracking. <laughs> 
They're um, here and they're spectacular. They're great. <laughs> the earthquake in this episode, when we get to the end, the earthquake lasts so long. It's like a, t- it's like an 18 minute earthquake. It feels like. Yeah. I kind of love it. Like we rarely get earthquake content on television shows. I feel like we've had more tornado disasters and bombing disaster. You know what I mean? Like I'm trying to think about all of the longtime TV shows that I've watched. Something about Desperate Housewives and Greys and places like that. And I feel like there's terrorists. There's bombs. There's all these things, but there's rarely earthquakes. You heard it here first. Chelsea, pro-earthquake. <laughs> I mean, there's a plane crash. There's multiple plane crashes in Grey's Anatomy. I don't know how that's possible. Um. All right. Well, we're going to start. This episode actually begins after the earthquake. It's uh, Summer and Taylor. They're hanging out at the weird outdoor mall where everything happens now this season because it's their only Marissa set Marissa Cooper Memorial Mall. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually really funny because she lived outside. God, I'm glad we could sneak that in to, well, at least one more time. Uh, Summer and Taylor are hanging out at the Marissa Cooper Memorial Mall. And uh, Taylor mentions to Summer that she got into Berkeley, which is weird. And we'll get to it in a second. Um, but she also says that she got into Berkeley and she's concerned about where everyone's going to be going because in six months, everyone's going to be going their separate ways. And I was like, wait, is everyone going? There? I didn't I couldn't figure that out. Did we know? I didn't think they talked about it until this episode that Ryan is going to Berkeley, like in the fall, presumably. Did we know this? I vaguely remember something about it just because I feel like we would have made more comments like, what is he going to do? Just like do a construction thing again. I, I We knew that Seth was going to be going to Rhode Island. We knew that Seth was going to RISD, but, we, yeah. but Summer had been kicked out of Brown. But, but she I may guess, have been going to RISD or something? I think her job was starting maybe in six months. I don't know. No, because she was just suspended. So their plan oh, was right, to go that's back that's right. That's right. She, she was, was only suspended, suspended for like for a semester months. or something or whatever. Okay. You're right. You're right, Chelsea. Um, wow. Chelsea paid attention. Good for you. <laughs> nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like, but now that we know that Summer has this job offer, they don't, I don't think she ever talks about the idea of going to college versus going to work for George. I don't know if that ever comes up. But anyway, everyone's going their own way in six months, and Taylor wants to go with Ryan to Berkeley. She got into Berkeley. I like that they met, made sure we knew that she applied before they were dating. It was like a safety school thing, but she got in. And th- there's a whole storyline here that hinges on Ryan telling Taylor that he loves her because she doesn't want to make plans to go to college with him unless she knows that it's like a for real cemented like we are in love thing i would like to remind you how quickly (laughs) ryan was to invite sadie to come with him to berkeley Um, oh sadie not even a year ago but uh yeah he's really hesitant about taylor and telling her he loves her and taking her to berkeley we'll get there in a minute ryan enjoys croissants with with taylor on the patio great scene caitlin walks in on hercules and julie um he's being weird he's being gross i think that there were the, in the in the scene with Ryan and the croissants right before this. Ryan and Taylor are discussing her birthday party, or she says there's something about him doing a great job, and in like his reward for doing a great job is he says that he wants he expects to have his way with her. Wow, which I thought was strange for Ryan, especially to say that. Yeah, I thought that was weird too. Like I didn't think it was very sexy. I thought it was kind of. Yeah. But then the very next scene is um, Hercules and Julie in the kitchen, like making out. And he's like being kind of slimy and like gross and like whispering in her ear. And I was like, the Atwoods are too horny in this episode. It's, hered- it's hereditary, man. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what's going on. Caitlin makes fun of his bag that she calls it his convict bag. 
Um, he makes <laughs> sure to he makes like sure to point out that he got it at REI, which I don't know if that's like a flex or not. I don't know if that was a flex <laughs> in 2006, maybe. Caitlin makes a joke about him. She she says that he's basically moved in already, and they barely started dating. And then she also makes a joke about him making conjugal visits, which I thought, one, was funny. Two, as I was making this note, I realized I do not know how to spell conjugal. I wonder if either of you know how to spell conjugal. No. <laughs> it's a J. It's a J, then a G, Just spell. right? C-O-N-J-U-G-A-L. Holy shit, Chelsea. Nailed it. Great job. <laughs> it's, it looks like Check juggalo. When you, re- when you read it. Wow. Great job, Chelsea. I struggled with that. Um, next thing we see is Kirsten. She's going to prenatal yoga and mm. we get back in our lives again for like the third or fourth time this season. Holly. Holly's back. The secret star. I love it. Love it. Holly was the girl with the noop that took um, Summer out for the noopsie wedge, right? Same girl? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. I get Holly and floater girl confused as we know. <laughs> um, <laughs> Jess. We haven't seen Jess since season three, right? Right. She floated away. She flo- <laughs> you, can ch- you can find her at the Marissa Cooper Memorial Mall. <laughs> In the fountain, face down. <laughs> so it's hot in here. I'm, it's, you're funny because it's hot in here. Um, okay. Uh, we see Holly. She's doing prenatal yoga. Apparently she's also pregnant. I thought it was funny that Holly recognizes Kirsten, first of all, and also tells her, Kirsten's like, do I know you? And Holly's like, yeah, I went to school with Seth. And I was like, I thought Seth was like the biggest dork in the world. But now like Holly is like, oh, yeah, I know your son. They are in a group. Holly and her little friends are, are in a group called the Six Pack Pack because they're determined to keep their bodies tight during pregnancy. That's I was so wondering awful. how offended you were by this, Chelsea. Not at all, actually. I, uh, I've i been trying to keep it tight as well. Not not a six pack tight and not uh, prematurely induce my baby out of my body tight. But I mean, respect. It- it does make a recovery easier. Okay. So I thought you'd be more offended than that. That's fine. We'll move on. <laughs> okay. get the, You guys got to get this straight about me. Yes, I'm woke, but I'm also very vain. <laughs> <laughs> you you heard it here, folks. Um, Summer and Ryan are at, what's the taco restaurant called, Dylan? Uh... T- Taco uh, Taco Bell. They're at Taco Bell. They're at Taco the Marissa Bell. Cooper Memorial Taco Bell. Um, <laughs> Summer is with Ryan. They're having a conversation, which we got a lot of in season four, Summer Ryan content. Um, she's taking Seth to an art show for George. Ryan tells her about the love poems that he got bound as uh, Taylor's birthday gift. Summer encourages him, basically tells him to let Taylor know that he is in love with her. And... I just remember, again, if we look back at Ryan's history, it was very quick to ask Sadie to move in with him. He also was pretty quick to say, I love you back to Marissa, right? Like, she said it, and then he said it back to her within the same episode. Yeah, and I I, want to talk a little bit about this gift. Because, like, they made a big deal about how romantic it was and this and that, but I'm not sure I understand what it is. So, are we to believe that there are all these French poems, and Taylor translated the French poems... And then Ryan got a hold of her translations and made copies of them and then bound them in a book. So he is giving her copies of the poems she translated in a leather bound book. Is that right? I believe so. Yes. Yeah. That's I guess that's romantic. Is that's that a romantic, Taylor, I feel like Taylor would like that. The next thing that we see is Frank and Caitlin meeting up. Frank, I guess, called a meeting with Caitlin because she doesn't like him. And it's a weird scene where she makes the joke about him being a pedophile. Uh, she jo- she thinks he's boring. 
she dares him to make her laugh and then she just makes a lot of prison jokes which about dropping the soap and getting like soap dispensers installed it's a scene that happened on the oc uh right after that is julie back at her house and she finds she goes through she just decides to go through frank's cool rei bag and inside of this rei bag (laughs) is lots of clown pornography it's yeah do we think it's ironic that caitlin doesn't think he's funny but uh makes him have a clown kink i think that first of all that was an amazing choice uh, by Caitlin. She gets whatever award you can get for picking what kind of porn to find in your mom's boyfriend's bag. But also, it really made me wonder <laughs> if Hercules had seen the porn identity. Oh, I didn't even think about that. I don't think the kids ever even knew about that, did they? I, you know, it got a word got around. Maybe it, I just remember at the end. Of, I just the remember party. the. I just remember when that thing got shown at the party at the end of that, that episode ended with all the kids coming home and being like, "How was the party?" And everyone's like, uh-huh. "Oh, it was fine. Nothing crazy happened at all." Anyway, I have. Um, let's be more more important things here. I have a um, a still from some of the clown pornography that I'm currently looking at on my screen, <laughs> and I would like to read a paragraph to you if I could. Um, this is from Clown Pornography Magazine. Quote, I just like honking around, declares Frisquet the Clown, our exclusive funny girl of the month. Since I was a little girl, I always liked making people laugh. Now that I'm a big girl, I like to make them sigh and moan, too. That's my idea of a good time. Uh, Wow. They really put the effort in to create this this clown porn. Or maybe it already existed and they just found it. I don't know. Wow. Are there enough people on Earth into clowns to support a magazine? It's a great question, Chelsea. God, you're nailing the questions tonight. You are just killing them. Oh, yeah. I think well, you should you. Google it. Don't do that. N- no, do not. Please, please do not Google hey, it. Hey, listeners, you should Google it and let us know. Send an email to Cohen's Especially on, <laughs> Especially on your work computer, which it appears as though <laughs> Dylan's on. No, those journalist. are the best ones. The internet's the best. The internet's better on my work computer. <laughs> hey, I, I have a question. Um... I was a little bit... Fr- okay, I liked all the storylines, basically, except Ryan and Taylor's. I found it to be very, very... Dra- like, how many times are we going to see an episode about Ryan contemplating on what to do about a relationship? Like, literally, he, like, agonized, like, oh, should I date Taylor or not? And now he's like, oh, do I love her or not? Like, I'm so... How much of the... I mean, what? I guess they're just out of shit to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, But I just... I don't know. And especially when it comes to the specific thing of like, oh, I don't know whether to tell her I love her or not. Did So there was a, the episode that this happened with Marissa was the New Year's Eve one where we can't figure out how Anna got to the party. Right. Glad you brought that up. But uh, I don't have you guys ever agonized like something like that before. I don't think I've ever. Yeah. Had a situation. I will where say I like, no, oh. not to get too personal. But yeah, no, I have like recently I've tried to figure out. Because like, I feel like Ryan definitely knows that he is in love with her. He's just all kind of afraid to say it. You don't know how to say it. You want to be right. And so I don't know. I feel I, that is something I've dealt with before. Me too. Oh, Ryan, that's so sweet. You're being vulnerable. <laughs> I dated oh. Macy from, we met May 1st. And I didn't tell her I loved her until Christmas because I was just trying to figure out the right way or the best time or whatever, even though I knew way before that. For a dude, it's a big step. Yeah. Um, You can know it after like the first meeting, but there's a lot of stock that's placed in it. Um, and it, it's, so I, I get Ryan's conundrum and it's, it's especially more intense because like he knows it's what Taylor wants to hear. Um, it takes their relationship to the next level. And so it's more than just saying it, it's everything that comes with it. It's, uh, it's why Han Solo said, I know 
Um, he just wasn't ready for that yet. Well, I mean, we'll get to it. We'll get to it at the end of this. But like the whole thing about the the Barkley thing changing how he feels about it didn't make as much sense to me. So I can relate to some of it, but like at the same time, I have not been at all as like wishy washy as he's been through his entire relationship with her. So it Life. doesn't. A lot of it doesn't make sense. You're right. Well, and especially someone as lovely as Taylor, why would you be this wishy-washy? I agree completely. I love. I she love was Taylor. on blast in this episode too, dude. The next thing we see is Seth and Summer. They're going. They went to the George Art Show. Seth's being a douchebag about all the the exhibitions and the movies that they're showing. He's Clearly, this is something Summer is into, and Seth's just being an asshole about it. Um, so Summer literally challenges him to make his own movie, and we will later find out this was just Summer's way of trying to kick him in the ass to do literally anything. Which I don't necessarily agree with because we know he's going to go to college. So I feel like just like let him fucking live his life before he goes to college. But yeah, she's determined to make him excited about something. This is and the next thing that we see is Sandy and Kirsten. She drops by Sandy's office to tell him about the prenatal yoga. She hates everyone in Newport now. Is <laughs> the gist of that conversation? She thinks everyone sucks. She doesn't want to bring a kid into this Newport world. Sandy thinks that having dinner with Spitzy and Mrs. Spitzy will somehow change her mind. So they plan that. Taylor writes a letter to Berkeley. I didn't get yeah, that says, "I'm not gonna go. I'm declining your offer to go to Berkeley." She prematurely writes this letter because. She's convinced somehow, she's convinced herself that Ryan doesn't want her to go. And I guess her only reason for going was Ryan. So she writes this letter. I'll just go ahead and skip to the part where later in the episode, Julie accidentally sends the letter. And you think, oh, this is going to become a plot point, right? And then Taylor just goes back out and gets the letter. And that's the end of that storyline. She successfully convinces a postman to violate federal law. That's how good her filibuster was. I admire her more for that. I guess I that to me I, I don't know what your outfit of the episode is Chelsea but for, if I were choosing it would have been Taylor in the tiny pink robe when she was running out to get the letter because that was a great moment and she looked great in that robe. Yeah, I love robes. They're my favorite. Um even though Harvey Weinstein kind of tried to appropriate them, but we are saying no to that. Wow. Robes are not a pervy uh, article of clothing. They're a very comfortable article of clothing. Um that evolved into the the snuggie which is <laughs> not a very sexy article it's just a backwards road um anywho that was notable i i my official outfits of the episodes were um the kirsten and holly's uh. yoga fits just because they were becoming such a thing right in that era sandy finds seth making a movie he started his movie journey ryan comes in uh, cramping after running 10 miles wow. by the way uh, Ryan's running 10 miles. Good for him. I haven't done that in a long Men time. Men will literally run yeah. 10 miles. Sa- but Sandy, this is what I said earlier when I said that um, they had one of those I'm done having sex with Julie Cooper moments in the last episode. This is another one here where Sandy's like, oh, you're having, what, like, what's the problem? Because he's like, you ran 10 miles. Something's wrong. And Ryan's like, I don't want to talk about it. And Sandy's like, let me guess. You're afraid to tell Taylor that you love her? And I was like, what the fuck just happened there? <laughs> he's also a fortune teller. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Um, so they have a fun uh, discussion. Sandy gives them some advice. Julie confronts Frank about the clown porn. She's very accepting of it for the most part. She doesn't know who's supposed to wear the wig, but she's generally pretty cool with it. If you were to isolate the audio of you saying Julie confronts Frank about the clown porn and showed it to someone in season one, Mm -hmm. again, this is why season four is the best. Uh, Caitlin is overhearing them having this discussion. Frank seems to think that, once again, going back to your college days, Frank seems to think that Caitlin's just hazing him, which I thought was funny. <laughs> Seth and Seth shows Summer his movie, which is literally just six hours of the swimming pool. 
He thinks that that's a funny, pretentious thing. She knows what we all know, which is that Seth does everything uh, rooted in laziness, this notwithstanding. She just basically calls him out. It's like, you suck. <laughs> like, you know, you need to do something. I want you to find the thing that I've... She, she found George. She wants Seth to find his George. Seth does make a point to say, I think you're overreacting to her, which I was like, ooh, Seth, do not say that. Um, yeah. But yeah, okay. just just a douchey thing to do. I had a kind of a Seth question. The The whole argument between Seth and Summer, I was trying to figure it out. Now, you kind of mentioned that she just wanted him to get excited about anything, which I mean, I get that that's kind of weird that that's what she wants. Seth needs to live his life to a certain extent. I thought that she was also upset that she, that he wasn't excited about something she was doing because she kind of doubles down on that whenever he's like, why should I make a movie? Why should I you know, do this after she kind of craps on his six hour movie? And she goes, well, I, I, you know, it's, it's something I'm excited about. Maybe that can be enough. And I felt like that was kind of the, the bigger, the bigger argument. And the one that I think is just super valid. I just, again, not trying to be too pro Seth here. I know it's a bad look for me, this but I just think that like summer just found her thing. Like last episode, like she, if that, if the George hadn't have happened, this would not have been a plot point. You know what I mean? Like just because summer found her thing. Now suddenly Seth has to find his thing when he's, about to go to college like he's literally about to go to to the school to RISD to figure out what his thing is presumably in summer I just feel like it's being a little irrational but I also she does make a point to say it's important to me and if your girlfriend says it's important to her you better just do fucking it. do it <laughs> right yeah. um the next thing we see it's dinner with the spitzies uh we meet Mrs. Spitz her name is Carrie Carrie Spitz that's funny I don't know why <laughs> She is on the phone. She calls her friend a hoe bag, which I love. She makes a joke about uh, Jason is Spitzy's name, I think. Jason getting a real job and getting out of that soup kitchen they call an office, which I don't think Sandy or Kirsten liked. She mentions she still goes to her sorority rush. She got too drunk like last year. Presumably she's in her 30s at least at this point. She got too drunk last year at college. Uh, She invites Kirsten out to do tequila poppers. Kirsten says, I'm an alcoholic. And she's like, oh, me too. Um, She at one point says to Kirsten, let's get out of here and leave these two dish rags behind, which was great. I'm going to start. I'm going to call you guys dish rags next week. Don't let me forget. Pant loads in the dish rags. Pant loads and dish rags, baby. Um, There's a baby crying. (laughs) She yells at the baby to shut up. Come to find out it's their it's their baby. So that makes it okay, I guess. Um, Sandy and Kirsten leave. (laughs) That's basically the part of it. Kirsten is her. Her beliefs are are still holding firm that everyone in Newport sucks. She doesn't want to raise a kid in Newport. Basically, she has a conversation with Sandy, and Sandy's very quick to say, like, fucking, let's go. Let's move. Let's get out of here. Kirsten is really, I guess, somehow, like, attached to the house. Like, she doesn't want to move because she loves their house. She wants Ryan and Seth to come home to that house when they're on break from college. So the house is seemingly the only thing holding her back. Hope nothing happens to the house in the next two episodes. I, Taylor, okay, I, I, had a, I had a question. Yeah. Is it legitimately just her experience being pregnant and realizing she's going to be raising another child in Newport that made her realize that Newport sucks or because that kind of seemed like a very quick switch. Is that what we're led to believe? I think that's I think go. I think yes, for the most part. Also, I feel like if you had a moment of reflection and you realize that Julie Cooper is your best friend, you probably start really rethinking about where you want to live. Because I was trying to kind of break it down, and I feel like the big reason she stayed in Newport initially was, like, the Newport group and her dad. 
And then another reason, maybe she wouldn't admit it, was Jimmy and kind of growing up there and all this and all that. But at this point in the show, all of that stuff is gone for the most part. And I think, kind of like you said, if the house is the only thing keeping her there, it, it kind of makes sense. You have to unpack it a little bit. But it just seemed a little bit out of nowhere that she was all of a sudden going to say, wait a second, I hate it here, even though I haven't expressed a single thing that I dislike about Newport for the last three seasons. I don't know if it's more, I don't know if it's, she necessarily hates it there as much as it is she doesn't believe it's the right place to raise a child. I think there's a difference. Yeah. It's not like Edmund, which is a great place well, to grow. Well, it's, it's also true that she's evolved a lot over the last few years, you know? She doesn't drink anymore. Raise your kid in a sober county somewhere. Good luck. <laughs> Um, Taylor, speaking of sober counties, Taylor's big idea to get Ryan to tell her that he loves her is to get him drunk, which I fully endorse and believe I probably would have tried the same thing if when I was a teenager. So I believe that this is great writing on their part. (laughs) She serves him a lot of wine. It's actually a really funny scene, her trying to get him to drink all the wine, giving toasts, trying to do wine tastings, things like that. As you would expect, Taylor is the one who actually gets wasted. Ryan has to help her walk back to her bedroom. And that's when he tells her that he loves her when she is presumably blackout drunk. And that's when she mentions the Berkeley thing to him and he sees the letter on her desk. So at this point, we are to believe that Ryan does love Taylor. He has finally said it to her. But for some reason, the Berkeley thing, which I don't, this is the part where I don't get it. For some reason, the Berkeley thing is the reason he's like, well, let me pull back now. I don't know if I do love her, I guess. I think this kind of goes and and talks, kind of talks into this whole idea of I love you being much more complicated than just the words, but it's also what comes with it. And so I think what we're supposed to believe is that one of the reasons he felt comfortable saying I love you this quote unquote early was because the obligation may have not necessarily been there, which is a super not good look for Ryan. Because he thought that, as Taylor said in the beginning of the episode, in six months, everything was going to be over. But now, kind of what Ryan is having to deal with is, I've said it, and she's going to Berkeley, so that I just lock myself into a serious relationship my first year of college. Which, I mean, I did it, and so I, I, I don't really get that, like, get it in that regard. But I think that's what we're supposed to believe, is that kind of... It's kind of a dick move from Ryan, just kind of like saying, I'll say I love you, but I mean, I'm kind of saying it now, knowing that there's really not a whole lot involved with that because I'll be going to Berkeley and you're going somewhere else. Uh, That's a good point, because if he's like, oh, I love you, but there's an obvious expiration date, then obviously it's a lot uh, less of a commitment than I love you. Let's start making plans for the future together. (laughs) Seth is making his movie he films ryan um wrapping taylor's present inside he makes a great this is another i can't believe i'm giving seth this much credit he makes a great joke about um getting dean hess's sloppy seconds uh which was was a great great callback taylor tells summer ryan said i love you but she can't fully remember which i feel like i would totally remember i don't care how drunk i was i would remember that this is when ryan's getting freaked out about being locked into like some four-year relationship with taylor which is crazy he calls it going mach five and so and seth is like kind of on ryan's side and backs him up and basically talks him out of giving the poems gift to taylor and so as we will later see ryan is that's not going to be the gift that he gives to taylor at her birthday one of the next things we see is frank he apparently ran to the cohen's house from wherever he was i don't know where he was but he was going for a run of his own he ran all the way to the cohen's house just to ask ryan's advice 
about Caitlyn, which that was is... Cu- that was cute. I thought that was a cute scene. Did you? Because I have questions about, like, that. Is that their relationship now? Is Ryan just like, oh, that's my dad, and he's coming over here to get, ask for my advice? It feels very quick for this. I think it's I think it's precious. Yeah. I love it. I'm pro I'm I mean, pro love Frank. to see it, but, I mean, <sighs> that... That was interesting. Like, literally, they went from, like, having a big blow-up. There was no, like, medium, like, are we going to be friends type <laughs> episode. I, I just, okay, just really quickly, I want to tell you all, don't tell me anything, but as of right now, I like Frank and I hope things work out. As of right now. I don't have any bad feelings about Frank right now. I don't know what's going to happen. Are you like serious? Frank. That's yes. really funny you said that because he definitely dies in the earthquake. Oh, I don't <laughs> know if I believe you. <laughs> I wanted you to believe that. My legitimate thought right now is mm-hmm. that everyone died at the earthquake. <laughs> it's, all, it's like the final episode of Lost. Yeah. They're all dead. dead. They've been dead the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> okay. His, Ryan gives them some advice, which is basically just be patient. I think their relationship is weird at this moment, but whatever. Um, the final, we get to Taylor's party. It's not a surprise party, even though Taylor... I thought that was really funny, actually, when Taylor's like, oh my god, I'm surprised, and Sandy goes, I didn't know it was a surprise party, even though it was definitely not a surprise party. That was the music moment of the episode as well. It was uh, Rogue Wave covering Debaser by the Pixies. Great song. Shout out to Madden NFL 2012, I think, was what Debaser was in. So that's Taylor's parties going on. Uh, that's when they that's when Sandy and Kirsten suggest moving, and then they decide not to move. I guess so Seth, Seth gets Taylor a sword. That's I, a I just, dope. Gift. I just want to say that's the thing that happened. Mm-hmm. Seth gets Taylor a sword. Ryan gives Taylor her new gift, which is no longer the poems. Now it's a dictionary, a dictionary that has more words than the other dictionaries, according to Ryan Atwood. Um, bad, bad move by Ryan. Yeah. It also smallest dictionary ever and then even though it's the smallest dictionary ever they make the joke that it has more words in it i didn't know what was going on that's a tiny dictionary i thought for some reason i think i got this confused with the seinfeld episode because i thought for some reason from my memory that ryan just gave her cash which would have been really funny too i I love that seinfeld episode yeah (laughs) julie finds keeping up with the seinfeld no no more podcasts after next week uh julie finds flyers of frank I call them flyers because they're flyers. That is a flyer. Um, it is a flyer. It's not an invite. No, not invitations. Not an invite. <laughs> it's a flyer, Frank. They're being look at us calling back our being uh, posted all over the the uh, the taco. What's it called? Taco Bell. Taco Bell. Um, it's a. It's actually really funny because it's like Frank's mugshot that we saw from Sandy's files like four episodes ago. And it just says, this guy loves clown porn with arrows pointing down to Frank, which I think is really funny. Shout out to Caitlin for that one. But also, one thing we didn't mention before the last episode was the last episode was the first time we had seen Frank in like four episodes, right? Like he just kind of disappeared for a while, right? Yeah. He was in that hotel room, not leaving. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like this is only, I think, his fourth episode total of the season, even though for some reason it feels like he's been here much longer. So she finds all these posters that clearly Kaylin put up that says Frank loves clown porn. It's pretty funny. I actually really enjoyed that. Summer confides in Kirsten yet again. This time she's talking about Seth making the movie and kind of how disappointed she was. And Kirsten basically keeps giving her the same advice, which is like, just be patient. Just be patient. Once again, I'd like to remind you that Seth did propose to Summer like literally a week ago. That That's a, that's a game changing fact, to be honest. I, I, I don't know how I forgot about that, but that changes my entire outlook on, on this episode. Yeah. Ryan apologizes to Taylor for getting her the dictionary. The college thing made it weird for him. I just wrote Ryan, what the fuck? 
like he's being weird he's not he apologized to her for the dictionary but they don't solve their problems he basically makes it worse by saying like i think it's i don't basically makes it seem like he doesn't want to go to college with her taylor starts to freak out and run away but before she can run away they bring out her massive birthday cake which is way too big for one person and they tell her to make a wish and she she just can't make a wish and she just runs away instead because we need one more moment of big big teen drama here Ryan and Caitlin have a moment together after this, which I thought was strange. Again, it's a little strange. Caitlin confides in Ryan that she doesn't want to have a new Insta family. And that's why she's like anti-Frank, because she thinks things are moving too fast already. Because he's there all the time being creepy, being Hercules in Julie's ear. As, as that's happening, we see Julie and Frank like talking, and it looks like they're breaking up. They didn't fully break up. Julie does say, we're not done. We're just slowing things down quite a bit. Ryan has a line which kind of confused me because i don't feel like ryan and caitlin have one had that many scenes together and the scenes that they have had together were mostly shitty and had to do with johnny in season three um but ryan says like i'll always be your brother no matter what and i was like oh why did you say that i don't know that just felt really out of place for me ryan's doing a lot of things that are out of place kind of like the episode before he was like bitch which i thought was kind of funny oh yeah he he called he he goes from calling a 15 year old a bitch to saying i'll st- always be your brother but not in a weird way i guess maybe they're trying to give ryan some character <laughs> and some flavor but it just feels so not like him that it takes him getting used about to step bro oh my god no i'm not touching that caitlin and julie both tell ryan you need to tell taylor you love her seth shows summer the movie that he made which includes him eavesdropping and spying on them on summer talking to his mom and this is the biggest eye roll. All of this pro Seth stuff I've had up to this point is out the window immediately because Seth decides because his opinion is better than everyone's that he wants to become a professional movie critic, which I hated. And that had big Dylan Irwin energy to me. <laughs> you know, I the great thing about about being a creative is you don't have to create anything to be creative. You can just tell other people how they're doing a terrible job at their own creations that's right i fully support him being a critic no it's so yeah it's so cringe like you have to be good at something (laughs) i I mean not always okay i don't we have we have a podcast i mean we can't really say much right i i guess that's true but i don't know just as maybe it's seth's personality in specific because he's not really like an analytical people like a friend of the pod um adam shitwood he critiques things all the time but like he's a very thoughtful person and respects the art so you're like oh he has good things to say but just someone like seth oh that makes what actually knows what he's doing seth has pitchfork energy which is just like we want to talk about the thing that's cooler than whatever you than whatever you like basically that's kind of how everything wraps up like taylor i guess calls the psychic because it's her birthday and that's her birthday tradition esmeralda i think is the psychic it's esmeralda the psychic which is which is funny because they were watching hunchback of notre dame ryan shows up gives her the real gift which was the poems taylor loves the poems he apologizes he admits that he freaked out they make out he tells her he loves her he tells her i think he says line was let's put it all on the table college love whatever he tells her he literally tells her he'll go wherever she wants to go he's like berkeley paris wherever like it was like a sudden pivot Ooh. shift for ryan Can and you it imagine seems- ryan atwood in paris i want that show <laughs> that we can finally crazy. go visit oliver in the mental institution and tell him about it <laughs> the mona lisa was the size of a postage yeah stamp. what the fuck i thought yeah oliver did you not tell me that finally <laughs> everyone's in their in their places now seth and summer have gone to rent a movie 
Sandy and Kirsten have stayed at the Marissa Cooper Memorial Mall to <laughs> to to settle up with the birthday party. Ryan and Taylor are in Taylor's bedroom, and Caitlin and Julie are in the ice cream shop buying ice cream after their little reconciliation. And then all of a sudden, uh oh, everyone! Uh oh, everyone! The uh-oh. earth is quaking. And uh, there's a lot of shit going on. That earthquake lasted a very long time, and it looks pretty violent. We see a lot of scenes of Seth and Summer in the car, and they're getting hit by a lot of lights. The street lights fall down onto their car, and then like the actual stop lights that they're stopped, like the red light falls down and hits their car. Um, they have to get out of the car, which I don't even know what car they're in. It looks like they're in Ryan's car, maybe, because it's like the top-down Jeep. So they're dodging lights like crazy. Which is strange. I feel like just drive forward a little bit and you'd be totally safe because you're in the middle of an open road, right? Like you're in the, just fucking, just get away from, anyway. um, The two biggest things that happen here is that Ryan and Taylor have what looks like some sort of like, what do you call like a hutch? What do you call those? Like the... Like a credenza? No, it's not a credenza. It's a, it's a dresser. I think yeah. it's just a dresser. It just falls it falls on them. And I guess Dylan, you haven't seen the next episode, so you don't know what happens there. But yeah, there's some there's some damage done there. Well everyone's dead is what I Yeah, that's, that's right. That's, everyone's dead. And then the rock has to come save them. <laughs> <laughs> Sip your zoe. But then we also see that Kirsten has like taken a tumble thanks to this earthquake. She's like face down in the uh, memorial mall. And so, so Sandy like comes to the rescue, jumps on top of her, tries to protect her. So there's just a lot of damage done by this earthquake, and we will uh, we'll get into it next week when we when we start pulling back the, the the damage and peeling back the layers of drama, and then we'll just be done forever. It's a pretty big cliffhanger. Like the only other cliffhanger cliffhanger I can think of, other than uh, Johnny <laughs> falling off the cliff. <laughs> is when Luke runs in and says, I finished sleeping with uh, Julie Cooper. No, the the cliffhanger with the season two when Trey gets shot, that was a pretty big one. Oh, duh. That was the biggest one. Yeah. And Marissa overdosing, that was a pretty big one. That that, that mid-season. Okay. 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 Sorry. I watched the heavy lifting. I forgot everything. (laughs) But that is the end of the episode. During the earthquake, there's actually a really good song by Fred Oviola, who was an artist I only knew from the OC. And I think he only ever had the OC because he's got like a thousand listens on his Spotify. Music moment was Debaser (laughs) by Rogue Wave. Uh, Chelsea, you said that the yoga outfits were the outfit of the episode. Plus the, the robe is a really good honorable mention. Taylor's very short robe. I was a fan. And that's it. That's it for this episode. We only have two left, guys. Next week, we will have finished the the OC. Finally. Oh, my God. We did it. I can't believe it. We should probably carve out maybe an extra 20. Let's carve out an extra 20 minutes or so next week so we can just kind of talk about the whole show. But let's do it. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, that's it. Um, Do we need do we still need to do the normal reviews and Instagram and emails? Because we're not going to be paying attention to them by this point. Right. Well, I'll do something different. I just want to say. On behalf of all of us here at uh, your family-friendly podcast, Keeping Up with the Coens, an OC Rewatch podcast, I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you so much for all of the wonderful ratings and reviews you have left us over the years. The last 10 years have been the best of our life, and we cannot wait to wrap this up with a nice little bow when we come back next week for our Le Grand Finale. Perfect way to land the plane, Dylan. Thank you. Uh, That's it. We'll see you guys next week for the finale. So watch your episodes, say your prayers, take your vitamins. (laughs) Anything else, Chelsea? (laughs) Thanks for spending all this time with us. It's been a blast.